everyone to the very first of I don't know how many, our Creative Well podcast hosted by uh, Rochelle Eason and myself, Ali Manning. Um, this series of conversations came about because whenever Rochelle and I got on uh, Zoom for like a 10 minute chat, it would turn into like hours long conversations all about creativity and life. Um, and not just our own experiences, but experiences that we were seeing in our students and our creative communities. Um, so we thought it might be fun to share some of these conversations with others and also invite some special guests. So that's what we are doing. We have two very special guests joining us today. You can find out a little bit more about them on uh, the web, the podcast's uh, web page, which Rochelle will drop into the chat box right now. Um, and if you want to know where the chat box is, and if you're joining us live, it is in the menu, it's the speech bubble. Um, so feel free to ask questions in that chat box if you would like. Okay, so I would like to introduce our guests and then I would like to, us to dive into our conversation because we have lots of juicy things to talk about. Um, first up is Christina Pateras. She currently lives in Colorado, but she is a traveler and an adventurer who's been to many far fun places. Um, she is a painter. She paints animals and abstract visions uh, of living energy with her fingers, with feathers, with sticks, shells, and just occasionally a brush. Um, equally importantly, she is a shamanic energy healer. And in two weeks, she graduates with her master's in eco-psychology. So yay, congratulations, Christina. Um, our other guest, Robin Marie Smith, is, um, she lives in Florida. She is a mixed media artist, blogger, and a teacher who helps others discover their artistic voice. Um, she has a heart for mission work, so has also traveled widely um, to places like Panama, El Salvador, Romania, and Honduras. Robin Marie, as well as being an artist, is also known as the, I think, tech-savvy artist. Uh, she is the founder of Makers Tech U, and she helps um, artists, whether you are running a business or as a hobby, um, just get make the most out of your art and bring it to others through technology. So she is a wonder. And my co-host is Rochelle Eason, who has been creating pottery since she has since she was four years old. She has spent the last 30 years as a professional artist and teacher. Uh, she was an invited artist to Walt Disney World, uh, where she showed her amazing plant-stayed art and pottery. Uh, she's been a college ceramics professor. She's a writer, an art journaler, and she may just have a new line of pottery out, which we will be talking about today. Uh, and that kind of relates to our transitions. Um, I'm Ali Manning. Uh, I'm a lifelong lover of books and paper and stationery. Um, I love to create handmade books and um, I like to fill them with lots of mixed media goodness. One of my greatest um, joys in life is to create community, um, in particular creative communities. And my latest sort of passion and endeavor is the Handmade Book Club. And I know some of you are here today, so welcome. So we got together ahead of time, the four of us, um, just to have a conversation a couple of weeks ago. And when I was writing my notes, a consistent theme kept coming up. We were just, I think we started out on one topic, but then we just kept returning to this idea of change and of transitions and how, how we deal with that, whether it's changes in our health or in our bodies, whether it's within our families, our role within the family, for example, changes our creative and our professional lives. Um, and even if you've lived a charmed life, not, none of us is immune from change. Obviously the last two years of the pandemic have brought you some kind of change. So um, that is where we are gonna start with life transitions, change and your creativity. And then um, we'll see where the conversation goes. So I'm gonna hand over to my co-host, Rochelle, to kind of kick off this conversation. And I look forward to hearing what everyone has to say. <laughs> well, thank you everybody for coming. Welcome. We are so excited to have you here. And we really have this mission that we want to have a conversation that is going to facilitate um, growth and movement forward, regardless of whatever life change, life changes and transitions you might you might be undergoing. And this all came about when I personally was going through life transitions that um, became obstacles to my art. So for thirty some years, I've been a professional artist. I'm not even going to tell you how many decades it's been since I was four and started in art. 
But of course, I've always had um, art blocks. You know, as artists, we always, we have blocks. This instead was an obstacle. I had physical obstacles between me and creating um, so much that I thought I was going to even have to sell my kiln because I couldn't couldn't um, be in my studio for a very long time. My back was in so much pain and I have osteoporosis and some other things. And so I was really kind of getting down and the conversation came out to how is it that we go forward with personal challenges and life transitions if our usual coping mechanism is creativity and, and, and we can't even get to that sometimes because of those obstacles. But the other side of that is to sometimes these obstacles present opportunity. And so we're looking at both sides of this coin of how do these life transitions take us from where we were and guide us to where we are going. And yes, my new um, blue sky porcelain collection is that kind of um, um, manifestation of my entire journey. And I'll, I'll talk more about that later and, and how that came to be. But I wanna get our guests involved here. And, and I know that they have um, some, some great stories about what they personally experienced. And um, Robin Marie, do you, do you mind going ahead and, and jumping in and sharing with us a little bit what you experienced? Sure, sure. Yeah, we had, we had talked um, in, when we had met that my, my story goes back to probably about, maybe about 2006, 2007. And my business was going great. I was traveling a lot. I was teaching. Um, it was just, it was just, it was a great time for me. And then all of a sudden, like overnight, it was like a light switch. I started dealing with depression and I didn't know what it was. I didn't understand the feelings I was having, the lack of energy, the lack of desire to even be creative. Um, it was a real struggle and I was confused. I didn't understand, you know, really why, I mean, this is something I love to do. Why am I struggling with this? And it took about six months for me to fully understand, you know, where I was at and what was happening. And of course, so many people that don't understand it, their answer is, well, you need to exercise more. You need to eat better. It's like, okay, I'm doing all of that. You need to create more. Okay. Well, I'm doing that, but I can't really do it because it's a struggle and I'm not enjoying it. And so there was like all of these things. And of course it ends up being that there's nothing you can really do to change it or fix it. It's, it's part of who you are. It's, it's a process. My life change was going, I was going through perimenopause at an early age. So all of these things were kind of happening to me. And I was really struggling because as I was going through it and one friend said, you, you, you can't go around this. You're going to have to go through it and figure out, you know, how to manage it. I mean, it was a big change for me. And part of the change was not just dealing with that. It was as I was moving through and going to the other side of this or moving through it, it changed me. Um, one of the biggest changes that I realized that was happening to me was my confidence was really at a low. And I didn't know if I'd ever get that confidence back. And I'm still, I still feel changed by it in terms of that. That was one of the biggest things was that I lost a lot of confidence in myself. Mm -hmm. And part of that, I think was, well, what if I sign it up to teach and it gets to right before I have to go and I'm starting to have panic attacks or my anxiety is too high, or what if I'm depressed and I, I can't teach. And so all of that played a part in that mindset of, okay, well, then I just don't, I won't do it because I don't know what's going to happen. And we talked about this in our call early on. One of the things that really struck, struck me was I was having um, a conversation with a very wise, good friend of mine. And I was telling her how upsetting this was to me and how I really wanted things to be the way they were. And mm -hmm. she said to me, but what if they can be better? And right. I was like, okay, that's not what I want to hear. You know, I don't want to hear that. I want <laughs> things to be the way they were. But it was, she was very wise in that because I got to, it changed my mindset to, okay, I'm not going to start dwelling on what's happened or what, how things used to be, how can they be better? And, and what does that look like for me? And so it, it just, it was a process of getting back into creating and saying, all right, even if this is terrible and I don't like it and it's not working, just keep creating because mm -hmm. that is going to help me in my mindset. So that was a so big thing. Let me ask you on that because I kind of can relate to that. You know, mine was a physical issue, but this idea of imposter syndrome kept coming in my mind is that, you know, and usually we say imposter syndrome because we're kind of elevated, we're in a position that we're elevated more than we should be. 
but this was something that was different. I actually, I'm always a go-getter. I work like 117 hours a week and, you know, and I was down to like 40, which is normal for most people, but I could, that was really slow for me. And so I kept thinking that I was not me. I was an imposter in my body and, and I felt very not me. But then by the end of my journey, I realized maybe that's more me at this stage of my life than I was open to before. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Absolutely. And this was in my forties. Now I'm in my, you know, early to mid fifties and that there was a big transition, just like what you're saying. What I realized was that I needed to slow down. I was working Mm -hmm. too many hours, working too much, traveling too much and teaching. And it was affecting me physically, mentally, and that we go through those changes in those life cycles where we're in different seasons. And so the season I was in, in my thirties or twenties is not the same as the one I'm in now in my fifties. In fact, it's more like, wow, I want to let things go. I want to slow down. I, but to still be able to enjoy the things that I'm enjoying in my business, but realize that, oh, I don't have to work that hard or I don't have to be spending all of these hours. And I think that contributed to really helping my mental um, health as well, because I think it was just, it was affecting me negatively in that. So I totally understand it. And I feel like that I've experienced that as well. Yeah. I love Christine. Can you respond? Oh, I'm sorry, Ali, go ahead. No, I was just going to ask Christina actually, because I like this idea of just letting go of what was to allow for something different. Maybe it's better. And I think Christina, you had mentioned that, right? Yeah, first I just want to say what an honor it is to be here and to be with the three of you and with all of you who are listening. Transition is all that we know in life, right? That I'm 58. I'm in my Saturn return right now, which for anyone that follows astrology happens twice in your lifetime with the alignment of the planets. And it's all about transition and and what what is and what you're aligned with. And um this letting go piece, you know, transitions have three pieces historically. It's severance. It's the letting go of what was, of what we've known. Because because what we really know is is the unknown. We don't know what's coming. In the Peruvian, um, the Caro uh, lineage, the, the past is in front of them. Wow. Because they can see it. Wow. And the future is in back. So we we don't know. And so that letting go with the severance being the first part, this is what I've just come through actually with my eco-psychology thesis. And one of the classes that we had this semester alongside the thesis was a ritual class, the transitions and rites of passage. And the centerpiece of, of transitions is that threshold. We are crossing thresholds one after another every day and and really every moment of our life so of our lives and then it's reincorporation so i think as humans in my experience anyway and i've had a death experience in 2011 i was in the amazon in peru in a a psychedelic plant ceremony with the indigenous people with my uh, school and my teachers and i fought to let go i fought to let go and i suffered and I think that's really been the greatest lesson in my life is that if there is resistance to change, which is going to come anyway, then I'm going to suffer. So stepping in and really the ritual of art is my thesis for my eco-psychology work. And it's the ritual of art grounds us. And that can be the creation of, the viewing of, the study of, in all forms. And um, I've got some other stories to share just even from this past year where that has just just reinforced its reality to me again and again. Wow, I love that, the art grounds us. I've written yeah. that, the ritual of art grounds us. That's amazing. How did, you, Rochelle, how did yeah, you find? The whole... Go ahead. Go ahead, Christina, finish. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to, my thesis is so alive right now. I'm literally graduating <laughs> in, in two, two weeks. My paper is in and I'm having an art exhibition on Tuesday evening and opening, a ceremonial opening here in Boulder at Naropa University where I'm graduating. And um, yeah, I just wanted to share the, the ritual of art grounds us through living and dying. 
Wow. Allowing the spirit of creativity to flow through us, within us, and around us, enlivening the life force. In life and even in death, the ritual of art can bring joy and peace and allow grief, embodied grief, to flow. And 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 I caught that as you were speaking, Robin Marie, that you were moving through. And it's it's about that flow and moving through. Yeah. Wow. What does that look like on a practical level, Christina? Like, you know what I mean? Like just the, the moving r- through. Yeah. 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 For me, it's about ritual. It's about ritual and ceremony and art is part of that for me. Sometimes it's writing. Sometimes it's painting. I've just started sculpting. Sometimes it's viewing art. It's having the art all around me. I just moved into a new space, so I don't have much on my walls. But it, for me, it really involves, like you said, Robin Marie and, and Rochelle, slowing down mm-hmm. and getting quiet. And, and for me, in ritual, it's listening to the guidance. And it sounded like that's what you both were experiencing on some level of consciousness or not. And it'll always come through. It's just a matter of how much we're we're with it open to it and and um and or resisting it which is human Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's the human i love how how you said it's about um surrounding yourself with art as well because i think so often as creatives we are makers right we're all about making and that's that's our therapy but um i've gotten to a point in my life where you know, no more little kids, dogs, but no more little kids and all that. And, and we're in our home that hopefully we're going to retire in. And so the pieces in here are curated. And I always use that word because I've curated each area to be meaningful and important to not just me, obviously our family, but, but our sanctuary. And and I don't want to get too much into sanctuary because that's actually a topic in in May that we're going to do sanctuary and creativity alley. So I don't, I don't want to jump, jump the gun on that, but I love that you brought that in because I think so many people think we're always, we're, we're talking to people who are makers, but we're, we're talking to everybody because of, of being able to curate your art around you. Um, I know for me, and I know Allie, I think this is where we were, we're going to head to is that, um, you know, my health issues were what guided me for, for the last several years. I, I, declined my last several Disney invites because um, I physically couldn't couldn't do it anymore. I had to have brain surgery. I had an arachnoid cyst in my brain and then um, recovered from that beautifully and then went into um, osteoporosis and a fracture, fractured back. And so I, I guess I had osteoporosis actually before the brain issue and I kind of ignored it. My husband reminds me. And then I um, had a fracture and couldn't ignore it anymore. But I physically was limited to what I could do, especially as a potter and even as a plant stained artist, because the amount of hours standing and peeling the plants off of the pages were just killing me. And so, and I was talking to Allie because these obstacles and these, these personal challenges, um, you know, put obstacles of creativity in front of me. And I had to figure out how do I get through this? Because usually art is the way that I get through. And my solution was to look at my art and figure out what I could do that would help all the other parts of my life. And that's where casserole bakers came in. I'm not a cook. I have to be enticed to go into the kitchen, but with osteoporosis, I have to eat better. I have to really, I mean, my, my pyramid, my food pyramid has sugar on like the first, you know, four levels. I don't know. There's only six levels and it's sugar the whole way up, um, sugar and wine. And, and chocolate. And so I had to kind of figure out how can I be enticed to be into the kitchen? And for me, well, that was, I could make casserole bakers. And then because I wanna share my casserole bakers with my community and, and, and my audience, I'm gonna figure out what can I make in these casserole bakers? And then because I'm vegan and I'm in that community and I'm in these osteoporosis groups, I'm in all that, how do I bring that all together? Well, the, I, well, I, I found, you know, great chefs that were making these vegan, they're called um, 10 ingredient dump and bakes. And it was like these recipes that it was so easy. All I had to do was get all these ingredients, put in the casserole baker, bake it up. And I've got a meal that was healthy and everybody liked. 
And so I ended up finding that my solution was to utilize my art as a tool to getting through the obstacles. And my back was getting better. I was getting stronger. I was able to do all of that. And then I, you know, and then I missed my flowers around because when I do plant staining, I always had flowers around. And I realized that I found joy in the day when I saw all these flowers around because I always had those out before I would use them, before I'd pluck their heads off and use them for plant staining. Um, and so I made vases, you know, I made more vases. So it was kind of like I was fueling my own transition of my own path with my art, which I wanted to create anyways, but now my art had a purpose for my personal well-being beyond the creative, the gravitational core of being a core of being creative. You know, we have, we all have that pool that we have to create. Mm -hmm. And I've always had that. It's never suffered. But now I had a purpose for the use of my art. And hopefully, you know, other people would too. And, and, and of course, I go into this other thing too, which was more emotional and, and I'll get that later. But do you guys, do you see, do you, do you relate to any of that, that you kind of use one to tool the other and all that? Yeah, I, I can, I was, as you were saying that, I was thinking my, my approach was a little different. And mine was that um, because of the struggle of being out in front of people and the potential for things to happen or how I would feel, it was like, okay, well, what, what can I do that doesn't involve that at least at this point in my life? And I was finding that if, if I was struggling to create, what could I do that was still creative and helped that, but, you know, fed that desire in me, but, you know, but satisfied maybe this, okay, I'm, you know, how I'm feeling helping other people, that seemed to be the answer to me. And so as I was helping, and we, you know, in the introduction, we talked about that I'm very tech savvy and I was finding that I was helping art friends with their websites or learning Instagram or photography or video editing. And I loved it. And it was something that I could still do that was creative because those things are still creative, at least they are to me. And then I was helping them to overcome the challenges they were experiencing. So they could then put their art out there and they could sell their art and they could just, you know, all of the things. And it was like, oh, okay. So for me, it was a little bit different, but that was, that, that was helping me to figure out how I can still stay creative, help others and, and feed my soul in, in, in being able right. to do things. And of course, all of that leads back to, I'm back in the studio, I'm creating, I went back out and started teaching again and loved it. But that was sort of a, a turn for me in a different way to, right. uh, to figure out how to get through that. Yeah. 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 For me. It is really based in nature and being connected to the earth. So I sometimes create by, by going outside and seeing what's around and creating an earth mandala from the earth, um, which, which is impermanent. I'll either leave it there or sometimes I'll have it created on a cloth and then wrap it up and offer it to the water or offer it to fire. So my creativity and, and moving through it and using the tools to move through whatever life transition I'm in is really about grounding. And so when I came around to that thesis of mine in EcoPsych, it was just it, it was just right there. And um, amazingly, I was on a walk when it came through me and a praying mantis appeared right on the path right in front of me i was with a friend and we both stopped and it was like i think that's a yes i think this is it the ritual of art grounds me and that that notion michelle of of the creation and how it's all connected mm -hmm. how we're all interconnected you're cooking mm -hmm. wanting to be more healthy and then creating these i want one of your dishes i don't i'm not crazy about cooking for myself either <laughs> i love to cook for others I love mm -hmm. to um, entertain. That's what brings me joy when people are enjoying my food for myself. Eh, not so much. You know, I'll go to Whole Foods and they're my they're my they're cooks my cooks. Um, but really, that interconnection and 
in our creativity and our in our in our making and everyone is creative in some ways there are people out there that are probably saying oh i don't paint or i i don't know how to, i don't have a creative you know cell in my body we're all creators so literally to just go outside and sit and just be with the tree and then if there's bark or leaves around you make a little you know see where they want to go on on the earth so I, I love that interconnection piece that it's it's flowing through us all the time. I I have to share on that note. Um, I've been a college professor at two different colleges, college uh, professor of ceramics. And when I was at Gardner Webb University in North Carolina, I had a student who was also she was a runner, ceramist and a runner. And every time she would go out for her run for for practice, um, she would come back with nature pieces of nature. And it would be twigs and it would be, you know, anything that was organic. And when you're doing clay, you can actually put these things in the kiln. They burn off, but you can use them for impressions and for, you know, apertures and different things like that. And that's what she did. I mean, she would, she would bring in this kind of wealth of natural materials that just you know, she would say it just popped out at me, you know, she was just this great, beautiful blonde dreadlocks and, and just this great, her name's Meg, my kids loved her, you know, all that, it was just fantastic, she was a fantastic gal, still, she's in, she's still creating, um, but that idea of nature really um, being that connection to her art also, it was this, this way that she traveled to the, to the art pieces that she was making, it was amazing, amazing to be a part of that. Yeah. And clay is the earth. I mean, with, with your clay work with pottery, yeah. clay is the earth. So yeah. the hands in the earth, I mean, that is what, that's what fuels me. And I have to say, just as an aside, Rochelle, I have two little uh, ceramic pieces in my exhibit that I made for my thesis, and I'm addicted. Yeah. I've done clay before, you know, all through my life. <laughs> but right now I'm like, oh, I just want to get my hands in more clay. <laughs> yeah, clay is, clay is definitely addicting. And, um, you know, the idea, the, the thing that has always I found um, opportunity and obstacle, actually, as we're talking about life transitions in clay, is that you've got mud. You're starting out with a lump of mud. And with that mud, that clay, you know, you can turn that into absolutely anything you want. And so, you know, I'm, I'm a person, I, I'm a production potter in a way that I have had to produce a volume of pieces, especially when I was showing at Disney. But everything I do is one of a kind. I cannot throw two mugs or two bowls that look alike to save my life. I mean, I just can't. It's just not in my nature. And it's not in something that I really want to do. And so what I had to do was figure out that I needed to take breaks in my day. I needed to rest. I needed to slow down. And I needed to not produce as much. And, you know, it was crazy because I was thinking I'm still, I'm not at Disney anymore. I don't need to have 3,300 pieces of original art in my shop at one point, you know, at any one point. So what I started to do, I did the casserole bakers and I did the flower pots and I did like odds and ends and whatever. And what I started to do was realize that my art can slow down too. And my art can rest, it can breathe, like think of making a loaf of bread and you have to cover it with towel and let it breathe and all that can do that with my art. Mm. And what happened through that whole process, I, I, I did the porcelain, the sky, the blue sky porcelain and porcelain is the white that I get. And so I actually had to use pigment and mix the porcelain into the sky blue that I wanted it. And then I would swirl the two together. And so I had my hands in every bit of it from the coloring of the basic mud to the finished piece. And I really allowed myself to be part of that essence. I gave myself time to enjoy the process, even though it was second nature to me, you know, take the breaks, rest and, and go sit on the heating pad for an hour or so if I needed to, and then go back to the studio. And that whole process, you know, that, that line, and I know you can probably hear Scarlett crying here, um, that line itself is my life transition. It's that manifestation of me realizing at this season in my life, I like slow, I like calm, 
I like pastel colors <laughs> and I like the tranquility that comes along with it. I am going to hand that over. I'm going to mute myself <laughs> and put my dog out. I'm sorry, Scarlett doesn't want to touch. She doesn't want to be part of it. That's okay. Do you know what? I'm, I'm making notes as just because that's how I listen best, making notes. And each, all three of you has said, slow down, rest, take breaks, get quiet. Like it's a constant theme, which I think is interesting in light of like what the whole world has been through the last two years, right? We've all been forced to slow down. And um, I feel like that just, I think maybe we've realized that in other parts of our lives, but like the whole world has realized that. And so how, like, how do you feel like the last two years has affected your creativity when literally the whole world has had to slow down? Do you feel like you're well-prepared or like it was, you know, it took you by surprise like everyone else? Go ahead, Robin Marie. I can see you. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I'm an introvert. So, um, I, and, you know, I guess just working at home and, and that being, you know, my every day, pretty much, I, it, it, I actually kind of enjoyed it, but um, you know, I live in Florida, so we didn't have the, the impact here. I don't think of the, uh, of, of other places, you know, a lot of things we didn't really shut down and things were still open. And, um, but for me, I think it was not so much that part of it. It was just the uncertainty of things. The, it's kind of, I felt like in the days when, and when you live in coastal Florida or even Florida, you know, about hurricanes, there's a lot of, um, it's that uncertainty. Okay. Is it coming? Is it going to hit us? Is it not going to hit us? And oh my gosh, now there's another one coming. So it's that, it's just that very unsettling feeling. And I think that's kind of what it was. I, the weird thing was I was very productive and I did a lot of art and a lot of stuff in 2020, 2021 was where I ran into this six month block of just, I can't do anything. And I, that was really weird. So mine came like later, which was bizarre, but I wanted to touch on a point that, that came out with, um, with what Rochelle said and that part about slowing down that part about taking time. One of the things I had to deal with mentally as I was going through this and dealing with this was, what if I take too much time? And then what if I can't come back and create again? What if I lose something because I'm not go, go, go every day. And, and so that was like a mental battle for me of what if I never create again, because I've taken too much time off. And so I wanted to throw that out there because that was a legitimate feeling that I had. I still kind of feel that way at times, but I understand now no, this is essential to making sure that I can go back in there and fresh and create. So I wanted to throw that out there because I don't know if Rochelle, you felt that way at well, all, but I know I did. Yeah, yeah, and I think so. I think one of the things to touch on that too is that I always felt that because I had produced and I had done so much for so many decades, I hate to say it, but you know, I, I owned a retail art studio in North Carolina too. We sat 90, it was huge. I mean, we were having field trips and professional development all the time. So I was always for about decades just mm -hmm. on the go. And so what happened when I went, you know, it was hard for me to have that realization myself, but I kept thinking that the people around me were looking at me like, you're not, you're not really being truthful or who you are. You're not the authentic mom or the authentic wife or the authentic artist or anything that we, that we know from before you're like a shell of that person kind of thing. Mm. That was me projecting that onto them, not them doing it to me. You know, I had, I had, so during COVID was when I had my brain surgery and um, just to, just to give a little background to that arachnoid cyst was something I had since birth and I didn't have a problem with it until I started doing Disney and I didn't even know that I had it. And so the pressure and the stress and the physical calling on my body from that really brought that out. And so I had my craniotomy smack in the middle of that first summer of, of um, COVID, but it was, a, it was great. I hate to say that when you're talking about something like that, but it was great because it gave me permission to slow down. Mm -hmm. It gave me the purpose to slow down. I had to. And for me, even though my family would have been fine if I had sat on the sofa and ate bonbons 
all the time. I mean, they would have still loved me. But for me, because I had this surgery and this recovery, I had in my mind permission to slow down. And then slowing down is addictive. You know, clay is addicting, but slowing down and being calm is an amazing addiction. I never realized it before. Going to sleep, oh my God, sleep is wonderful. Naps, oh, I have a brand new granddaughter. If I could just nap with her sometimes, oh my God, it'd be, you know, wonderful. But um, yeah, I just, I, I started feeling more like this is really who I am. And all those other ideas were because of what I thought others thought that that's who I was supposed to be. I, that kind of, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense, but. I love, Rochelle, that you're describing that the slowing down got you to your essence. And, oh, yeah. And um, Linda on the chat asked, uh, what I meant by reincorporation when I mentioned reincorporation before and really with your inquiry Allie about the pandemic and slowing down reincorporation is all about integration mm -hmm. and integration happens by slowing down and having the awareness of what what we've come through through whatever threshold it is whatever between times whatever that change is and this is i think this is the ultimate practice because getting quiet and slowing down allows us to return to our essence again and again and again the industrial growth society from decades ago the whole the whole push was how much can we produce so culturally we were put into this and we were born into this i think we're probably all around sort of mm -hmm. around the same age and so we we were born into this idea that the more that we could produce the better off we were and we know that this is not sustainable it's not healthy i'm an rn as well i have a private practice in healing i i um, sit with people in psychedelic therapy who are depressed and anxious and have ptsd and have addictions that are not healthy um, this is all about knowing that how much we produce is not where it's at. It's about coming back to the alignment and connection with the natural world. Indigenous people have known this forever. And uh, the Industrial Growth Society just knocked us off of our, our centers in go, 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 go. And so it's really our responsibility, I think, it's our responsibility mm -hmm. to come back to our essence and our essence will slow us down naturally. You're in Florida, the two of you, oh my gosh, I'm yearning to go to the beach. I'm also Greek and I'll be there in September with my cousins and on the island where my grandfather is from. And oh, there's just nothing like just hearing the water for me coming up, lapping up onto the shore and then going and soaking in it. So just really aligning with our natural our natural waves. We follow the moon cycles. It's, you know, this is, this is our essence. And I think creativity comes from that. I, I think you hit, you know, you were talking about how basically society has guided us in, in one way too. And, you know, even 30 years ago, when I was a fourth grade teacher, I had these huge words, these huge letters of the word quality on my, in my classroom. So that I always preached quality over quantity I always felt like that was the essence. I always preach about essence and teach about essence and um, putting that into our art and all that. And I felt it. I honestly, I don't want to say that I never felt it. I honestly, passionately felt it for all those decades. But I think the realization now as I'm older, wiser, and I'm a Shelly, which is a grandma, um, I, I have gotten to the point that I think my, I can understand that my essence can grow and change and be different with the seasons of life. And I know that you talk about seasons of life, life Christina, and, and um, I don't know, I just, I, I guess I just never experienced those changing seasons as much as I have now since, you know, mid, I'll, I'll put as Robin Marie says, early to mid fifties that I am in right now, I'm closer to the other side, but yes. So I agree. Yeah. Um, so much wisdom. So much wisdom. 
Go ahead, um, Robert. I just saw Alan, uh, Angela had asked a question about yes, balance and rest and purposeful slowing down with procrastination and getting caught up in creative blocks. Yeah. yeah, I can answer that because part of that struggle in slowing down in my mind, it's just dealing with that. Well, okay, well, what, again, as I said, what if I can't come back and do it again? What if I take too much time off? What if I rest too much? But mm -hmm. I think too, it's it, with more practice, I'm able to say, I understand this is procrastination. Why is it procrastination? What am I doing? Why, how am I feeling right now? What is it? And then being able to identify that it's, I mean, I'm mm -hmm. not saying it's something I can just like instantly go, you know, cause I procrastinate a lot about things and, and I have to get down and say, why am I doing that? You know, and yeah. I'll tell you oftentimes if it's relating to being creative, it's relating to what if I can't, it's the negative mm -hmm. thoughts of, well, what if I can't do this? What if, what if I go in there and I can't paint anything? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, dwelling on that too much, then it's becomes, okay, I'm just going to procrastinate. I'm not going to do it at all. Right. And the, you know, and that can be, you know, a struggle in itself, but you know, creative blocks happen. I, I, that happens. I had six months of it last year or so, and I thought I'd never come out of it. And lo and behold, it happens. You do. Yeah. No, one of the things, go oh, sorry. sorry. I was just, I was just going to add to that. One of the things to add to that is, and I look at it a little differently is, and especially because I'm doing clay, I look at my, my art, my clay as kind of living entities. And so it's kind of like I have this exchange of communication with it. And one of my writing classes, I talk about introducing yourself to your journal and you name your journal and you give your journal kind of a personality and you introduce yourself. And I'm going to show you just this. Now, this piece cracked. I, this piece cannot be sold, anything like that. Porcelain is a finicky little devil, let me tell you. But like just this one. And I don't know if you can see when it sits, it leans. Mm. And so when I was making this, I was all about leaning in. I mean, that was literally the idea that was going in my head is I'm creating something that I can flow from. I did a lot of watering cans. I haven't done watering cans and pottery for, I don't know, eight years, 10 years, something like that. And I did watering cans and pictures and all that. And it was about the flow, you know, and again, this cracked. So I was like, that's perfect that this cracked. Number one, that means I have to keep it. <laughs> Number two, I can keep it without guilt because I can't sell it. And number two is because we all have a bit of cracks, right? Even when we are flowing and we're leaning into this life transition, those cracks are still going to come in and we're still going to seep out energy into places where it does not belong. You know, I'm still watching too much TV, my God, you know? 19 seasons of NCIS and whatever, four months. That's crazy. But that's how I found out that I can sit and relax and, and whatever. But but I to, to answer that question is that I I kind of persona put personification onto my things that I'm making. And I have conversations with them and communicate with them. And without being sent to the Lulu bin. I am, a, I am really about feeling that energy between, between that art and me. And isn't it my energy, right? It's the grounding of the clay. It's the earth's energy, but it's almost like my muse having a conversation with myself. And that's how I had to do that balance, that procrastination. Yeah, maybe I'm not going to work on you today. And I'm going to leave you there. And I'm going to leave you covered. I have six or seven pieces that need to be etched in in my studio right now and it's been sitting there for five days and I was supposed to do it the following day after I made them but I'm not ready to and that's okay I go in and I check on them every day how are you are you still moist are you happy sitting there in your cover I know I'm crazy my husband thinks I'm nuts but it helps me to realize that I'm taking a break you can take a break too I'm not gonna touch you for a while you just chill over there and everything's going to be okay. <laughs> Allie's like, man. <laughs> I love I that. that. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's, it's the interconnection. It's the transpersonal interconnection of all beings. And you're, you've got a, a, a flow going between you and the clay and the art that's been created. The, the, the Elizabeth Gilbert says, you know, the spirit of a, 
a story coming through who's going to write it you know she's had experiences that she's talked about and so i love that and that you're you have the awareness that the earth is talking to you through the clay oh, as yeah. well it's beautiful mm -hmm. you're not crazy yeah. by the way so that's a very important piece that i want to say you yeah. are not crazy nature speaks everything is alive and the beach does help and i know robin marie feels the same way and even though we're an hour away i we do i do try to go to the beach um almost weekly and the grounding i try to anyways and the grounding and christina and i you christina and i met um actually at a workshop tracy verdugo workshop workshop years ago on the beach in saint pete and yeah. we got to put our toes in the sand yeah yeah and that <laughs> was you, robin marie. I think that, that, that was the time. first that we met there and that that beach was the first time i'd ever met the sea when I was a young girl, oh, wow. we took a road trip. And so it was a return for me. So talk yeah. about integration and reincorporation. Yeah. A return to a really, really special, specific beach. Right. Tracy's been here a few times, Robin okay. Marie. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I was there at a retreat in St. Pete with her as well. How about that? <laughs> it was a few yeah. years, it was several years ago. I was like, yeah. Oh Our, yeah. Yeah. I can't remember what year it was, Christina. It's been a while, but it was an amazing thing. And I remember going to dinner. Um, Marco was there and I think Cece was there and, you know, so um, Tracy's family and, and the rest of us. And I remember something pivotal happening in my life. I can't remember. I think I had just found out that I was invited to Disney or something like that. And you and I were talking and you were talking about the grounding. You continue making sure you know, that throughout all the hecticness and the busyness and all of that, that I still took time for myself. And I know we always say that, take time for yourself, but that I took time for myself to be grounded, to really feel, really take in the moment, the experience. I mean, you sit here and you think about, you know, people do that. I truly do that. I'm like sitting there thinking, okay, let me remember this. Let me make a mental, you know, memory. Let me feel this. Let me smell it. Let me touch it. Let me all of that kind of stuff. I have the essence of this energy is flowing through me. And I remember that came a lot from you in our discussion. I don't know if you remember that we had a bit of wine too, but you know, I don't remember it, but I'm glad you do. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we have a quick question. We have a couple questions actually. Um, a good one from Kerry, actually. So maybe you whoever wants to chime in, but she said um, she's transitioning right now to retirement, which um, I know many people in our sort of creative communities are doing. And she has a wide open schedule. And she's wondering how does she build in structure to this freedom, to this um, to this kind of time she has? Do any of you have, because like, I, I love this idea of rest that we keep talking about, but again, there is that idea, but how do you structure that? Like, do you, I, yeah, I can say one thing and then I, to that, and then I'm gonna pass it on to our, our panelists. So I homeschooled for 21 years. We have four children. I homeschooled for 21 years and we believed in unschooling, which just like taking topics and diving into them. And there were times that our kids would be in our studio at 11 o'clock on a Sunday night because they eureka moment, they had something for their topic that they were studying. And the only thing we scheduled in was nine o'clock in the morning. Every morning we did um, quiet time is what we called it. And that was journal time and three o'clock, three o'clock ice cream time. That was it. So I, so in three o'clock ice cream time was very important, but so when you, and I'm sure these other two have a little bit more about structure. I'm not a structured person. And I do believe that people are structured and they need that. But I also believe in the flow of flexibility and allowing yourself openness for that to enter. Do you, Christina, do you have anything? Yeah, yeah. I am very much like you in that way, Rochelle, is that I'm flowing and things are moving all the time. I teach that way. I teach for a psychedelic research and training institute. We have a training next week for, for healthcare professionals. And I have a teaching plan and then I connect in and it may it may flow in a different direction and that's how my days go and I really return again and again to to ritual not in any sense other than what does keep me grounded and what does provide the container the set and setting for my life 
and it's 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 above all sacred space it's that the space that i'm in is sacred what does that mean to me it means that it's i'm respecting myself and everything around me and that that is my desire to connect with everything around me in with reverence and that, that's people that's nature that's my i I talk to my, my plants are alive, of course, the plants are medicine. So for ritual, and it's, it's really, I don't have the same ritual every morning. Um, I've, I've strived for that and thought, well, you know, that should thing kicks in and then I let that go. I'm like, no, there are no shoulds. That's not what works for me. My main ritual in the morning is gratitude. And it's gratitude that I'm waking up alive. And then I get to have another day and then I'm grateful for my body. Um, I walked the other day seven miles and a lot of those miles were uh, barefoot on cement because just the sandals I had were not working. And I wanted grounding and my feet are hurting. You know, I've got some blisters and, and I had some other things going on. And boy, I was brought to, back to my body quickly. So I really try to have that before I even step onto the ground from wherever I'm sleeping the gratitude that I have a body to be able to live this life and and then move forward with the day. So it seems really simple and it's not a specific thing for Carrie about how to how to form it. But go back to ritual again and again throughout the day. Mm -hmm. Just stop and just have some moments of gratitude for I, I walk. I walk a, a meditation with my students through starting with being at a place that is calm and gentle whatever that place might be a place that is known an imaginary place a desired place for me it's the beach in water lavender fields be there breathe and then go to the mountain of gratitude and think of everything that you can think of that you're grateful for from the small to the the big and then vision and then leap off the mountain in your imagination and go for it just go for it i'm i'm going to publish a book the the publishers are telling me it's happening I'm like, oh, I've been dreaming of this literally for more than 10 years. Mm. Bust it wide open, jump off the top of the mountain, float around in the clouds, and then come back down. Remember to come back down. <laughs> so in that space of, of your, um, your structure of your life and your day, come back down and ground again. <laughs> awesome. That's a big one. How about you, Robin Marie? Yeah, I, I would say I'm I'm like uh, I'm, I'm like you guys as well. Um, I've tried and tried and tried to have that structured schedule where on Mondays I do this and Tuesdays I do that and schedule creative time for here and it never works for me because I just I cannot do it. I I'm thankful that I have a, a job a job where I work at home where I can make those decisions about what I'm going to do. Where I'm structured in and much like um, you know Christine I'm. It, First thing in the morning, you know, I have my prayer time, um, small devotional, and I'm very, very diligent and very structured about the physical things I need to do for myself, mm -hmm. the working out, the taking the vitamins, the certain things. I'm very structured about those things, stretching things that relate to taking care of my body. Um, if I don't, those things will go to the wayside. I will put priority on other things and do them. And then those things will not happen. So for me, I, and I know that it helps me because by doing those things, it prepares me. And then I'm ready for the day and I'm ready to decide what do I feel like doing today? And I know that sounds very um, lavish um, to be, what do I want to do today? I want to work on my website today. Great. Or I want to go paint for two hours or whatever that looks like. And I leave room in my days around the things that have to be scheduled for those times because if I don't nurture that then they get they just don't happen and I feel like for me that's the that works the best for me in a creative way and yes there's times when the bookkeeping has to be done and I'd rather not do it but I own a business I have to do these things but I think it's figuring out what works best for you because you know there isn't one answer for everybody and you've got to figure out, okay, is that working? Is it not working? What can I do to adjust that? But I think what helps me do all of that is that daily routine of these are the things that are not negotiable. I have to do these things to stay on track and to help my mental well-being and my physical well-being. Because if I'm not taking my care of myself physically, 
then the mental part doesn't do well either. So, so that's kind of how, I mean, I don't really have the, the magic answer for do this and it'll be great because it, it's different for everybody. Yeah. I so love that, Robin. This is my self-care candle. It's probably backwards, but I just received this as a gift from oh, um, for graduation. So I love that you brought self-care in. It's so important. Yeah. yeah. And it's different for everyone, you know, I, but I think that, and, and it's funny because I, I didn't want to touch on this too, because Rochelle said this a second ago, uh, the, or maybe both of you did. I can't remember. I was on vacation last week, so I'm feeling very rela relaxed and rested because we were at the beach. Yes, I live at the beach, but I go to a different beach for vacation <laughs> and we had a full moon and it was, the weather was cool. There was a great breeze. And the last night, my husband and I went for a walk. And as I was uh, going to go back into the condo, I just stood there and I just took in the sound and the moon and, and how it was sparkling on the water. And I was just like, I want to remember this moment because I'm going to have to come back to it when I'm feeling a little stressed and be like, yeah, this is great. You know? So anyway, I was, that just happened to me just several days ago was reflecting on that. So. Oh, I love yeah. And the question was about her retiring. And I know like I was an adjunct professor until this last um, spring, a year ago, actually it's been a year. And up until then I pretty much have worked somewhere, even if it was Disney, um, my own store, whatever, I had a place to go. Um, and even if I didn't have to go there every day, it was still in the back of my mind that Tuesday and Thursday, I have to go there. And, and so this past year was really the first year since I was an, a very young stay-at-home mom that I didn't have um, a place to, that I had to be. And I'm not a structured person, like I said, but the morning, like they were talking about this night and what we did for homeschooling and I still do is this nine o'clock um, journaling time. And it is a, it, for me, it was a time to kind of regroup. And like both said, deciding what I'm going to do later on in the day and as creatives. And I think I, I was looking at one of the comments, they said, you know, creatives need to be flexible and then make sure you turn up in your studio. And I think that's Patty, Patty, turn up in your studio each day and uh, you know, those two things are, are, were, are very important, I think, for anybody is just to have the door open for whatever is going to come to allow it to come and be and how you respond to it. But then also make sure you're nurturing yourself and nurturing your art if that is something you want to do. You don't have to nurture your art every day if it's not something that is feeling good at the moment. But if you keep walking into the studio or walking to your basket of art supplies, and even if you're just looking at it, and I'm telling you, say hi to it, talk to it, you're still going to keep that energy flowing between you and your art. So you may not feel like creating, or you may be bogged down with other stuff, but it's still there and it's still, um, and it's just waiting for you. So, you know, you have to do what makes what feels good. And years ago, I sold a glass kiln because it was it was up on a on a cabinet, and I was like, it's just staring at me. It stared at me for two years without me making any glass, and I was tired of it staring at me. I should have put little eyeballs on it because that's how I felt like it had. And I ended up selling it, and I felt like this whole kind of relief because I was like, oh, now I can take that off my docket. I'm really not wanting to create with glass right now, but mm -hmm. because it was sitting there, I felt like I had to. So don't put anything in your visual area that's going to make you feel like you have to do something. Put yeah. think it's like curating your space, which we'll talk about in a few weeks. Curate mm -hmm. your space to make it encouraging and inspiring and enticing in your sanctuary. Mm -hmm. that's I, I, I love that. And it plays back to something Christine had said really early on about, and I hadn't really thought about it this way, but it's also about seeing the art there's times when I can't get in there to create, I might not be feeling it, but I, I, I want that. Can I say the dopamine hit, I guess. Yeah. And I will just go in and start looking at things that I've created. I'll look at my journal. I'll look at some things I've painted. And then I just go, ah, oh, and then I leave and that's all I need it. And I know that sounds so kooky, but yeah. that's, I'll do that a lot where I just want to go in or even before I go to bed at night. And I'm just like, I want to see what I did today. And I just get that feeling of, yay, I love this. And then that's enough. So I know that sounds kind of, it's like, I guess, going to a museum and looking at other people's art, Oh yeah. but it's, 
the satisfaction of going in and saying, oh, I did this. I love this. Oh, this was a great day or yesterday was great or whatever. So I just wanted, I, that came up again when you were saying that. So I'll do that sometimes. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's important for transitions as we're talking about life transitions. And I know Allie's, um, go ahead, Allie, jump in. I think you wanted to do a summary. Say we are coming up on the hour. Um, and I really like the fact that that kind of came full circle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's sort of the <laughs> right at the beginning even if you know you're not creating you can surround yourself with art and I love that Robin kind of Marie kind of brought that sort of back around so um, and I do that as well quite a lot too if I'm stuck I'll just look through old journals or just look through old work I'm like oh I've done it once I can do it again so um, let's let's wrap up with some final thoughts Christina is there just kind of one final thought you'd like to leave folks with yeah yeah the circling around just returning returning to nature taking that time to connect to nature and always whether it's the moon like robin marie said in the or the water glistening feet bare feet on the ground and being open to receive being open to receive the guidance from the helping guidance from wherever that comes and allowing it to flow through yeah that's that's what i'm feeling right now and in, in gratitude for being here Thank you. We're grateful you're here too. And you, Robin Marie. Yes, thank, thank you for, for the, the opportunity just to share and, and really just so that I think so that, that those that are watching and those that will watch in the future that you're not alone in these these changes in your life. You know, you're not the same person you were in your 20s that you are in your 40s or your 50s. And we go through those seasons and we can fight them, we can embrace them. And we can, you know, use those times to see how will my creativity change? How will it evolve? And, and like that friend said, you know, things could be better, you know, and to reflect on that and what's to come rather than being, I wish it was like that, or I wish it could stay like that or whatever. But I think that um, that's just really important is to just, you know, keep moving forward and, and just keep being creative, even if it's a struggle. I mean, even if it's hard, just, you know, continue. And creativity comes in so many different forms. You know, it's just like we were, uh, Rochelle was talking about the baking and the cooking. I love to bake and I think that can be creative. And so there's other things, creativity is in many things in our lives, not just in going and painting or in creating, um, you know, pottery. There's so many different things that are mm -hmm. creative. So, yeah, mm -hmm. but thank you mm -hmm. for having me. You're welcome. Rochelle, would you like to end and maybe let folks know when our next one is because I can't remember the date. Yes, <laughs> yes, I will. yes, yes. So I just want to end on the fact that um, with the note or with that adage, I guess people say just go through the motions until they feel comfortable. And I'm a big believer of being in the motions, you know, being in the motion of living. So if you if you feel like you're just going through the motions of something to get to the other side, just take a breath and stop and engage in those moments because those moments are just as important as the ones where you had before you were going through this transition and the ones you're gonna have after. These moments of transition are so important. So instead of just going through the moments just to get through them, go through the moments and embrace them and engage them. And I, and I, I just feel like that helped me so much. Um, we just wanna thank everybody for coming, uh, our, our fabulous panelists, um, my lovely friend, Allie, I'm just so glad that this came to fruition. This is something that's been in the back of my mind for months and months and probably years and years. And I think I sent an email that I said, when I imagined this happening, we were going to be on a purple velvet sofa in an Italian Adelaide and, and chat with espressos. And I'll tell you, this was, this was just fabulous to, to, um, meet like this and, um, Allie and I decided to do three to start out with this, and they're all about creativity, of course. This first one is life transitions with creativity. Um, next time will be May 5th, Cinco de Mayo. We're going to be talking about nutrition and creativity, and we will also have um, a guest, Beth Bollinger, who is a nutrition expert. And then we have a third one scheduled for May 19th which is gonna be sanctuary and our creativity and our guests are to be announced for that one. Um, we just, we're just really thankful for having an opportunity, a platform, a community that we can hash out these, these feelings with. I think it's just really important that um, we all come together and realize that even though everybody's lives look different, 
we have commonalities and we can share and support with each other and i just and especially in the creative realm creativity and it's not just making but it's people who want to sur surround themselves with um a creative influence as well so thank you thank you thank you you can i'm going to say one more thing you can find out more about all four of us our future guests you can find the recording of this podcast you can find all kinds of information on the web page that we created and it is actually on my website it's um rochelleeason.com forward slash our creative well so it is a web page that is specifically designated for our podcast here and we're just we're just so happy to um, and appreciative and grateful for all of you thank you so much mm -hmm.